0: In 2022, I would love for you to join my Patreon group. I offer at least two bonus episodes a month and a monthly advanced read and pre-publication author chat. For those on Facebook, I host a special Patreon Facebook group where we all chat books. Thanks so much to those who already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today, I am chatting with Lucy Clark about one of the girls. She is the author of seven psychological thrillers, and her debut novel was a Richard and Judy book club pick. Her novel, The Blue, is currently being filmed for a seven-part television series for Paramount Plus due for release in 2023. She is a passionate traveler, beach hut dweller, and fresh air enthusiast. Lucy's married to a professional windsurfer, and together with their two children, they spend their winters traveling and their summers at home on the south coast of England. Lucy writes from a beach hut, using the inspiration from the wild south coast to craft her stories. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
0: Welcome, Lucy. How are you today?
2: I'm very well. Thank you for having me here.
0: I'm so glad you're here. I really enjoyed your new book, One of the Girls. It is just so well done. I love the setting, the characters, the way it all wraps up. I just thought it was a great read.
2: Thank you. I'm so pleased. It's really fun to have it out in the world uh, because it's publication day today, so it's lovely to know it's out there.
0: Yes, and congratulations on it being out there. (laughs) Thank you. Well, for those that won't have read it yet, would you give me a quick synopsis of One of the Girls, please?
2: Absolutely. And I will keep it very simple because the premise is we've got six women who go out to a Greek island to celebrate Lexi's wedding, upcoming wedding. So it's what we call in England a hen weekend. And I believe that's a bachelorette party in, in the US. Um, so they go to Greece and they hire this beautiful remote clifftop villa for four days set a to party together and it all looks as if the scene's been set for this perfect long weekend away and it is until a body is found on the rocks below the villa so it becomes a mystery into we know early on that there's this body we don't know whose it is what happened or why and it's revealed during the course of these four days
0: where did the inspiration come for this one
2: I think it was really simple for me. The inspiration. All I knew was that I absolutely wanted to set a book on a hen weekend because I find the dynamics really interesting. Because I'm sure you've been to a hen weekend um, before as well. But for for me, I would in my twenties. I probably went on a dozen of them and. I would find some where these are wonderful weekends and so exciting and, and incredible and others were just absolutely awful. And there's almost nowhere in the world you'd rather be less than sort of uh, pulled together with a group of women that often you might only know one or two of them. Um, so I just felt it's really rich, fertile territory for exploring interesting female dynamics. So that was where the idea came from. And I thought being a psychological thriller writer, you've got to throw in a body. So that's, that's how I started.
0: Well, you're exactly right because bachelorette parties or hen weekends are so different than a standard girls weekend because usually if you're heading out on a girls weekend, it's a group of your friends and you know them all well. But when you go on these type of weekends like bachelorette and hen parties, you don't always know everybody. And in fact, as you mentioned, you frequently don't know everybody. So it is a very different dynamic.
2: That's right. And I feel as if, on a hen weekend, the, the bride takes on this almost sort of celestial golden status because everyone's there for her. But the women that she's chosen to come usually reflect very different parts of that person's life. So in one of the girls, we've got her two childhood friends from her school days, Robin and Bella, who were good friends with Lexi when she was more of a party girl and that's the sort of Lexi they know and love. But she's since given up her sort of wild partying days and retrained as a yoga teacher. And then she brings along Anna, who's one of her more recent friends, who she's grown very close to over a short amount of time. And it strikes all these different uh between the group. And then, of course, you've also got people in, in this particular incident instance, we've got a uh, a character who is the groom's sister and she's called Eleanor and she's very spiky and she doesn't, she's not really interested in the party scene. And, you know, putting these types of women in a room together, just things happen naturally without, without needing to add in any plot device at all because you've just got lots of very different personalities in a tight space away from home. And I loved watching what unfolded
0: well, and there's always a friend like Bella who wants to be the best friend and doesn't want anyone else intruding in that space.
2: Absolutely. Bella is the character who you will either love or loathe because she's that friend that has to be the one to get the party going. She has got really strong opinions. She can either be really fun and on or actually a little bit of a madam. And I had such a lot of fun writing her and I wanted to show That even though she can be a difficult character, that the things that perhaps she does wrong that might make us wince actually are are done from a place of fear or self-loathing. And there's a huge amount of vulnerability about her. So I hope that readers would empathise with her, even though she does things that, you know, we all would rather she didn't. But yes, so there there are those characters that we perhaps can pinpoint in our own lives uh, playing out in one of the girls.
0: I didn't dislike Bella at all. I just thought it was interesting because I recognized her and other people that I've known in terms of, like you said, being a little insecure, wanting to sort of be the center of everything and have that dominant relationship with the bride, you know, that kind of person who just wants to feel like they're in the midst of it all.
2: That's right. That's, you really summed her up beautifully because that's exactly who she is and She has a really competitive jealous streak with uh, Lexi's most recent and closest friend, Anna, because she's like, you know, where did you blow in from? And it's me. I'm the maid of honor. I'm the one who Lexi, I'm her best friend. And she drops that in all of the time. So she just has, I think because Lexi's changed the shape and course of her life, I think it's made Bella open up questions about her choices and where she is. And she feels like she's being left behind, which is something that we've probably all experienced in different ways throughout, you know, different stages of our lives.
0: Absolutely. Well, how did you decide on the format in terms of telling the story from each woman's point of view? And then you have kind of a little interlude that's mixed in periodically that sort of gives a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come
2: the format just really wasn't something i particularly planned i all i knew at the beginning was that i wanted to write from each of the women's viewpoints so there's six uh, characters six viewpoints and then as i was writing i it's in this type of thriller you have you know it's over a condensed time period of 4 days and we and we know that the the crime happens on the last night and it's got to be a slow burn build up because we need to see these women arriving, having the gorgeous time of the holiday and this transport of scenery, getting to know each other for those that haven't already met. But I wanted to signal to readers who have thought, hey, this is a thriller, you know, where where are all the bodies and the blood, that darkness was on its way. So I decided to include these almost like Greek choral interludes from this wee voice uh, of the collective women. And I purposefully leave these interludes very short, spaced, you know, every sort of, I don't know, half a dozen chapters or so to give, as, as you mentioned, a sense of foreshadowing of the danger and menace to come. And it also opens up these questions of, you know, who, who are they speaking to? What, what is going on? And I hope that peppers the, the story with the menace that we build to in the sort of second half of the novel.
0: It definitely did. I thought the format worked very well. And I loved those little interludes. I made sure I read them very closely. Sometimes I'll kind of go faster over that type of stuff, you know? And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to pay attention here.
2: Yes, because there were a few little clues embedded in them. So I'm pleased you did because I, exactly like you, I might skim anything that doesn't feel like the main body of the story because you're in a hurry to kind of, you know, find out what's going on. But yeah, the interludes are quite short and they do hold a few little clues as to what happens.
0: Most definitely. You include a couple of events building up to the end event, and each time I thought, oh, is this it? And it wasn't. So with no spoilers, how did you decide to do that?
2: Oh, it's really hard to talk about it without spoilers, so I will be very careful. But what I can say clearly is that the final incident in the novel where we uncover who is killed and who is the killer and why wasn't my original ending of the novel. I actually, my first draft, ended it a few chapters earlier. And when, when I wrote the original ending of the novel, I just felt like this isn't right. This doesn't feel like... I didn't want to kill off the person who I'd originally chosen to die. And so we had to make a different choice. And that meant sort of changing quite a few elements of the novel. But also what it lent itself to is a really lovely surprise because, you know, me as the writer believed one thing was going to happen and actually it doesn't. It's something completely different. So I feel quite hopefully confident that most readers won't necessarily guess the final outcome, although I hope that when they see it, they're like, oh, yes, okay," because the clues are there. So I'll be interested to chat with readers afterwards.
0: I know. We have to be so careful because I definitely don't want to ruin anything because I think that's what makes the book so good. But yes, I got to the end and I really did like it and I thought it worked out well and I just loved the stepping stones that you had along the way. Thank you. Well, my next question was going to relate a little bit to what we're already talking about. Do you plot out ahead or do you make it up as you go? So it sounds like you at least had something in mind as you were writing.
2: Yes, I normally... Historically, I'm a plotter and a planner. And One of the Girls is my seventh psychological thriller. And actually, it's the only book I've written that I completely threw my normal process out of the window. And I planned this novel for two days. And I started writing, inhabiting each of the women's viewpoints. And I wrote a first draft. My normal first drafts take me eight months. And I wrote a first draft of one of the girls in 17 days. Wow. It was great. It was for me the craziest and most joyful writing experience I've ever had. And I wrote it in lockdown. And I feel like that was part of the, I don't know, part of the strangeness of how the whole process changed. Because when we went into lockdown in the UK, like the rest of the world, it's a very scary time. And I felt quite overwhelmed with all that was happening. So I decided to come off social media and to no longer listen to the news because there was too much I couldn't control. And I just thought, okay, I'm I'm at home. That's all I can do. I'm just going to transport myself somewhere that I do want to be. And that for me turned out to be Greece with a group of six women who I had real fun getting to know. So I think that was part of the change in process for me, just the circumstances and giving the women the freedom to tell their own story because when I planned for two days, I I did the very basics. I knew Hen Weekend, Greece, six women, four nights, one of them kills. And that was it. So I set them out on this journey and I let their characters breed the plot. Whereas historically, I've sort of mapped out plots and it's taken me a few months and done deep dives into character biographies. And I think sometimes when I map the plot too much, you can end up writing really wooden characters because they have to act in ways to serve the plot. Whereas this felt really organic in the writing process. So it was so joyful. I just, I've never had a book like it. And Unfortunately, I don't think I'll have one like it again because I tried to repeat the same process for The Hype, which is my eighth novel, and you know, without the basically spending two days planning and then diving in and seeing what happened, and lots of things happened, but they didn't actually make a full novel. <laughs> it was a disaster. So then I had to go back. I mean, the work wasn't wasted because I got good character work from it, but I then had to go back and plot and map. And I think every book is just different, which is I suppose what I have learned: every book and every situation is different. So I suppose it's been open to how that story is wanting to be told, and every story will be different.
0: That's so funny. You were like, "Okay, this worked for one of the girls. Why is it not working for the hike?"
2: <laughs> I know, and I think I, I, you know, does it take a pandemic for me to actually find my flow with a book? Who knows? But I certainly won't be wishing for another one just to recreate the uh, conditions.
0: That would be terrible.
2: <laughs> no one needs that.
0: <laughs> no, they certainly don't. So you chose a fictional island in Greece for your setting. Why did you decide to do that versus picking an island that exists?
2: I know Greece um very well, actually, because I have family who live on the Greek island of Kos. So I've spent lots of childhood holidays very happily visiting Greece. And so I love it. I always enjoy the food, it's my favourite type of food, and just the sea and the setting. So I could have set the novel on cost, uh, knowing it so well, but I always like my books are typically set abroad, and I always fictionalise the actual location, despite the fact I've always travelled to every one of the places my novels are set, because I feel like I couldn't write a good book if I hadn't been there. Which is not true, by the way, of all authors. Some can do a fantastic job having just done desk research. But for me, I need to be there. But the fictionalised, so I call the island, agios. And I just love it because it gives you that freedom and artistic licence to create the setting in the exact way that, that you want. Uninhibited by any sort of boring sort of geographical detailing that, you know, you have to get right. So that's why I made the decision.
0: And you avoid those readers who come back and say, I've been there and that's not exactly how it's set up.
2: That's exactly true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I used to work at a bookstore and when we'd have author events, there'd sometimes be that person that would just come in and feel like they needed to just nitpick to death. And you're like, just leave it. It's fiction.
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah, but we definitely get those with every book. But you know, I think that it gives you a really nice freedom to just think, I can do whatever I want with this and no one can tell me off because it's in my imagination. So yeah, it works
0: well. Exactly. Well, what about keeping six different women straight and distinct from each other? That probably took a little bit of work.
2: It did. It was quite a hard feat to make six women who are all similar ages and, you know, all from England seem very distinct. And I wanted readers. It's important to me that the reader's got those voices early on because it's so hard in a novel where you're having to flip back and think who's who and I think sometimes that is actually just down to the reading experience like if I'm only reading a short bit of a novel and putting it down and maybe taking me a couple of weeks to read you maybe don't find that same momentum that if you pick up a book and, and you know read it over a couple of days but I wanted to make sure that their voices had a different I suppose cadence to them and rhythm and the way their internal thoughts. I would hope that if the chapter that in the book there are subheaded with a character's name, but I would hope that if you took away those names, my goal was that you would still know who was narrating that chapter just from the sort of rhythm and the type of things that they think and say. So, for example, if it was, you know, a beautifully sunny day in Greece, which of course it is most of the time. Each of the women would have a really different reaction to that. You know, Bella might be like straight in her bikini, out there by the pool. We might have Eleanor wanting to kind of cover up and hating the heat. Like, it's just how the the difference in voices is just how they react to the same thing, but in a different way. Which is what makes, I suppose, all of us unique.
0: Absolutely. And making sure their personalities shine through. That's it. Well, who was the easiest to write and who was the hardest of the six women?
2: Ooh. Well I know the hardest and that was actually Lexi who's the bride because I think sometimes the characters who are in a sense the nicest are often the ones who are more difficult and challenging to write because they don't always have as much sort of texture to get your dig your nails into. The two characters that I loved writing the most were the more difficult spiky characters of Bella, and also Eleanor, who comes out to The Hen Weekend with, she's carrying a real burden of grief because she lost her fiancé only a year before Lexi's hen. So she's out there grieving this love of her life while having to sort of put on a brave face and celebrate someone else's love story. And I loved writing her character because she's she is grief-stricken, but she's not a miserable character to be around, I found like spending time with her really fun because she is so spiky and difficult and all of the sort of glitz and chatter and glamour that some of the other girls bring, she sort of sees it through a lens that can be quite scathing and it just made it really fun to write her.
0: I liked her a lot. Oh
2: good, I'm so pleased. Thank you.
0: So how was it Lucy trying to write these six women that are all pretty interconnected but the reader doesn't know that at first? So you have to slowly unveil each connection as you're sort of building to this boiling point. Again, this will be a very spoiler free conversation. So you have to be careful how you answer. Yeah. How did that work for you?
2: That was the trickier part because I wanted to make sure that you have this structure where there's a real sense of building towards a climax. So the pace from sort of halfway through hopefully goes up a few notches And then we see this crossover of all the things that we've set up with individual characters kind of coming together to this boiling point. And in terms of the chronology of that, it was quite a hard act to pull off because there are so many different strings that I needed to pull on and everything sort of builds to this. We know this is not a spoiler, we know everything builds and happens on the final night of the Weekend, when they have a beach fire down on this sort of cove at the bottom of their villa, and we know that from these interludes, we're seeing like something goes down then. And it was just getting those timings right and the reveals right so that it can build and build to a sort of satisfying climax rather than just you know whipping everything up into a storm, but it all feeling a bit close on the heels. So it was just a sort of job of checking the pacing, I think, and the moment of reveal
0: when to reveal what.
2: Absolutely.
0: It makes me think of one of those crime boards that you see like in a police department where they've got all these photos and the strings are going every which way, because yes. really there is a lot of connectivity and you have to make sure, okay, she's connected this way. She's connected that way. How does all of this work together? What have I revealed when?
2: That's exactly how the inside of my brain probably looks. It's just a <laughs> load of old strings <laughs> tangled up.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, what about the title and the cover? I think the cover is outstanding and I'm just curious how it came about and if it was kind of the first pass or if you all had to work on it a bit and then tell me about the title.
2: Oh, I'm so pleased you love the cover. So covers are notoriously hard and you know I've just been through so many different covers over the years um, that I haven't liked and worked on. The UK and US cover are different. They're both really strong. The UK cover took us... Seven months, we went through maybe, I don't know how many options, maybe 25. Wow. It was a real journey. The US cover was the first pass, and it was just the moment I saw it, my editor um, sent it across and she said, I think we've got it. And I opened it up, the uh, PDF of the jacket. And um, for anyone who's not seen it, it's just a beautiful scene of. You know, looking out over Greece, over a a, like off the edge of a Greek villa, and there's a really brooding sky, giving that sense of threat. But set across it is like a cracked glass, almost as if it's a bullet hole. So it just sort of blows open that feeling of tranquility, which is exactly what the story is really. It's that sun-soaked sun-soaked destination, but laced with a sort of killer thriller element. Um, so I was so delighted with the cover. I think, yeah, I think they've done a fantastic job. And it isn't always the case. So when when we as a team, the publishers and the author together get it right, it's really satisfying.
0: I'm going to have to look up the UK cover because I don't think I've seen it yet.
2: It's a really lovely cover. And honestly, we went through some awful uh, iterations. <laughs> um, but the final cover, they. Have have settled on. um I'm thrilled with it. And, it, and it does the same job. Actually, it does the exact same job as the US one because it's looking through the archway of a villa out to sea. So again, we've got the sea and the turquoise colours, and then the text. One of the girls is in bright red, and it's got it's almost shattered the font, and it's really clever and beautiful. So they both have that you know sun soaked menace feel, but just in different different ways so it's rare actually that I'm happy with both jackets so because normally like there's one that you prefer more but I really feel that that both do exactly the same job really well although it just took us so much longer in the UK to get to but sometimes that's the way
0: well I can't wait to look that one up well before we wrap up would you quickly tell me what you've read recently that you really liked
2: uh yes I have read it, well, nonfiction, I'm just reading a book at the moment called Saltwater in the Blood, which is a Irish surfers sort of mediation, I suppose, on on just the ocean and surfing and cycles. Um, but in terms of fiction, I've just recently read The Paper Palace, which I absolutely loved. It was so transportive and yes, probably one of the best books I read in the last year. I really enjoyed it.
0: And it has another great cover
2: it does it really does yeah it's a book i can sort of happily recommend to everyone i'm seeing at the moment because i just know all the people i'm recommending it to have also read it and then saying god it's amazing and it's it's one of those books that actually isn't it's not a, a hooky plot necessarily but just we go so deep into the character you're so invested that you just want to find out it's so propulsive because of being so invested in the character's
0: journeys I love those type of books.
2: Me too. They're they're the best. They're my favorite.
0: Mine too. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I had so much fun chatting with you about one of the girls.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did,